Hey, if you like me, love the Rust programming language, or you're just curious about how powerful this language actually is, let me tell you about RustConf on September 14. It's 100% online. There will be talks about language internals, the Rust compiler, programming optimization strategies, and to make it even more relevant to you, there will be talks about computer vision and other core machine learning algorithms in Rust. Register now on rustconf.com. You will find the link in the show notes of this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of my company, Amethyx Technologies. And this episode is indeed brought to you by Amethyx Technologies. Amethyx is a technology company that builds analytics solutions across different sectors. We all know that data projects easily run out of budget. With Amethyx, you keep your project costs always under control. Amethyx operates in sectors like energy, fintech, insurtech, healthcare and pharmaceuticals. So check that out at amethix.com. That's A-M-E-T-H-I-X.com. So what's this episode about? Well, in this episode, I would like to brutally attack the CSV format. I think that CSV sucks. <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm personally tired of spending hours and hours and hours in building metadata and, and reconstructing or reconciling CSV files. I hope that you guys are of the same opinion as mine, but of course I would really love to um, know what your opinion about this, this very old format. And uh, for that, I really highly recommend you to uh, pay a visit to our official Discord channel. Uh, you will find the link in the show notes of this episode and of course on the official website, datascienceatom.com. So why does CSV format suck? Well, first of all, let me give you a bit of a history of this format without too much detail, because we all know that uh, what, what CSV is, is probably the de facto standard out there uh, for you know exchanging data uh, across organizations, even internally among different data scientists. I have seen pretty much 90% of the time using CSV format as you know the vehicle to carry data from one department to the other. And a, a set of consequences that uh, you know as have, have been very time consuming and have created even very bad, bad issues uh, that someone else had to deal with. So this format has been inspired in fact um, by a very old format that back in the days actually replaced punch cards. So I mean, who knows punch cards today is probably 50 years old or, or, or older. And so I think that it's time that we move on and we really get serious in, in doing this because old formats are good until they're not. You know, things have changed, data volumes have changed, the, the velocity of data have changed, and many other things have changed with respect to maybe five, 10 years ago. Imagine if we keep using a format that comes from punch cards. I mean, seriously. So there are several technical issues why I do hate CSV. <laughs> when I say hate, of course, I hate it professionally. I, I don't encourage people to hate formats. They have been there. They served the community and the researchers back in the days. That's it. You know, it's, we have to evolve to something else and something more convenient for everyone. But essentially, when we talk about CSV format, we are not talking about just one format. 
Uh, in fact, there is a family of formats that belong to the CSV family of formats. <laughs> Probably I said too many times format, but you get my point. Like there can be different separators. There can be different ways to indicate what a new line is. Uh, but, you know, from an historical perspective, uh, there are essentially two components or symbols that are part of the of the format, which are indeed uh, the, you know, what we call the separator. So that um, uh, symbol or that character that we use to separate fields within the same uh, record or row, and another symbol that we use to separate uh, two different rows, right? Uh, so usually it's like the new line or, or the carriage return on, uh, on our keyboard. So first of all, there is no standard, in fact, if not a de facto, um, in which we, you know, we didn't agree uh, formally to what a separator we should be using, and we didn't agree formally on what is the new line symbol in, in the formats that we deal with on a daily basis. So that's the first problem. The second problem is data types. And of course, I don't want to go into the details of, you know, all primitive types and, you know, what is a float, what is an int, what is a character, and if it's a character, what type of character? Date formats. How do you represent a date? So except for the, uh, the cases in which we are, quote, lucky to find a date that, you know, is uh, uh, clearly uh, day, month, and year uh, format, in many other cases, that's, that's not that easy to understand what format of date, what date format we have in front of us. Another big issue is character encoding. Now, UTF-8, of course, has been, again, a de facto standard uh, that we all informally agreed on, uh, but there's no formal or RFC that says that's going to be the, uh, the, the encoding that CSV files have to have. But I think that the biggest drawback, and that's the one I would like to expand, you know, spend a bit more words on, is the complete lack of metadata. And so that's something that really disturbs me because metadata is extremely important, especially for, um, you know, data representations, data analytics, but even to exchange data between colleagues or between programs, uh, especially programs or software in general, it's very important to, you know, to formally define what a data type is and not just guess it via, you know, by implementing a parser that automatically does the dirty job of determining that's a string and not a float, for example, because that's exactly what the problem is about. So values in CSVs, uh, in the CSV format, are just sequences of characters, right? So they might represent very complex types because, you know, the, 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 the basic block of the entire file, of the entire format is the character. Uh, and there's no way for a parser to know um, that type of information just from looking at the file or just from looking at the raw. Another problem is that all of a sudden things can change. So as you keep reading row by row, all of a sudden some fields uh, can change value completely. And, um, and you're going to implement some magic that deals with that. So as you can see, it's a very uncomfortable way of dealing with, uh, uh, with data. I hope that everybody agrees on the fact that a big chunk of the analytics workflows uh, and at the time that we put in today's uh, pipelines is in reconciling a lot of those file formats that do not have a metadata 
section that describes them just like CSV. And so many times it happened to me that I was dealing with, uh, you know, this pile of, of CSV files abandoned somewhere in a data lake. And my job was essentially to uh, reconcile them. So go, you know, file by file, trying to make these data types homogeneous across a number of files, which is a tedious job. It's a time-consuming task. And many times uh, you fail. Um, just because, you know, files come from different employees, from different workers, from different software. They have been exported into CSV that has flattened completely and removed completely, stripped away completely the metadata section if there was a, data, a metadata section. And so what I find really ridiculous is that many times we spend hours and hours rebuilding this metadata that we have stripped in the first place. That, that does make sense. I find it extremely, you know, it's ridiculous. Essentially, it's ridiculous. Hey, it might be beach weather outside, but for retailers, the holiday season has already begun. Did you know that 2021 holiday e-commerce sales are expected to exceed 2020 benchmarks? Are you prepared to capture every customer revenue opportunity? With Quantum Metric, you can be. Their unique approach to the digital customer experience helps today's top retailers and e-commerce brands quickly identify and prioritize the big and small revenue opportunities that keep customers engaged and coming back. Stay off the naughty list this holiday season by reducing customer friction, increasing conversions, and personalizing the shopping experience. Want a sneak peek? Visit their website at quantummetric.com slash podoffer and see if you qualify to receive their 12 days of insight offer with code data science. This offer gives you 12 day access to the platform coupled with a bespoke insight report that will help you identify where customers are struggling or engaging in your digital product. You will find the link in the show notes of this episode at datascienceatome.com. So the question that I'm, I've been asking myself a number of times already is, then why did CSV make it a de facto standard for data or, uh, you know, sample exchange. Well, I think that as a conclusion or as an answer, the most naive answer I can give is that because it is human readable, it is easy to open, to read, to manipulate. Uh, you don't need special software, in fact, to read a, a CSV file. You can open it with your text editor and you can understand what it is. So it's not a binary format that is like, you know, unreadable or readable for a machine only. This ease of reading, uh, opening and manipulating is in fact a drawback because it forced people or it educated people in adopting this format, this horrible format <laughs> for the most critical tasks that we deal with today. So in computer science, if there is a lesson that I learned is that Usually, when something is human-readable, uh, the format is not the right one, most of the time. And uh, when I say it's not the right one, uh, you know, in terms of efficiency, in terms of compression, um, and so most of the time, when something is human-readable, uh, it's, uh, it's very hard for a machine or it's very inconvenient for a, uh, for, from the perspective of the machine, of course. And the other way around, when you have something that is machine-readable, um, that as very high level of compression and of course uh, is extremely efficient it's also you know impossible for a human to to read so we have to find some sort of sweet spot uh, as 
you know, the history of computer science has been teaching us for so many years. But I think that now that we all know that we are doomed to face volumes of data that are indeed doomed to increase and um, the, the frequency to exchange data uh, is doomed to increase uh, together with the, the velocity of these exchanges and not just you know between departments in, within the same company or different companies you know organizations or communities but also especially uh, between software um, and so you know it would be very nice to uh, find alternatives and now that's exactly the the second point that i would like to make in this episode uh, about alternatives so there are a lot of alternatives and we are not using them as much, uh, that's for sure. Uh, so that's why I hope that with this episode, I'm uh, uh, shining some light on the CSV format as it is and why we should start really keeping a distance from it. Of course, as alternatives, I'm not gonna speak about or considering JSON, YAML, TOML, and all you know the families of these you know these formats. These are all good format for configuration files, for example. But they suffer exactly the same problem of you know stripping away metadata. And though they are you know human readable formats as well, uh, I don't consider them a good replacement for CSV. Uh, I've seen many times, for example, CSV is being converted into JSON uh, with a schema that has been created on on top of that CSV. Uh, you know, in, a, in the most naive fashion, like taking the header and creating fields in the, the header in the CSV that creates fields directly in the scheme of the JSON. I mean, yeah, that's just a different representation of the same thing, but uh, we are still missing the metadata. We are still missing the data types. We are still missing all that information that we are still trying to reconstruct and reconcile once we are facing different JSON files uh, this time. So, of course, there are many alternatives. We just don't use them as much. Uh, now, there are alternatives that are specifically designed for big data, so very large volumes of data. And here I want to mention, of course, Avro, Parquet, and Arrow, being Arrow probably my personal favorite. <laughs> but there is another format that uh, I would like to spend a word on, which is uh, HDF. No, it's not Hadoop, of course. Uh, that's a, a hierarchical data format. It's uh, designed to store and organize relatively large amounts of data. It is open source. There are bindings in pretty much any language, like C, C++, Java, Erlang, D, Lisp, Julia, R, Perl, and of course, Python, Rust. Don't forget Rust. And that's an amazing uh, format because it's formed by datasets and groups where datasets are typically multidimensional arrays of a homogeneous type and groups are essentially container structures that can hold datasets and other groups. So it's a very, you know, it's a hierarchical data format. It's used for um, scientific data, for example. And I highly recommend to consider this HDF format as a CSV replacement, as in fact the CSV killer, we should all consider of killing the CSV format. Now the good thing is that, the good thing of course of uh, HDF or hierarchical data format, is that the metadata is stored in the form of user-defined named attributes that are attached to the groups and to the datasets that compose the, the, the file format. 
So that's amazing because that makes you know the the, the format file system like to start with and also self-describing, which is incredible. Another important aspect of uh, HDF and in particular HDF5, there are two versions, HDF4 and 5. 5 is the one that is uh, not only the most recent one, but it also fulfills some requirements that are not fulfilled by HDF4. And um, essentially this format, it uses B-trees to index table objects. Now B-trees are uh, probably the most efficient uh, data structures that you might think of and you know they are first class citizen in uh, you know for data database design for example very mature topics here this is pure computer science if you don't know what b-trees are uh, just hit google or wikipedia and and get a get a description of what b-trees are i'm pretty sure that most of the listeners of this show know what b-trees are <laughs> but anyway the fact that we can index table objects via b-trees makes it possible to you know use hdf5 formats for representing uh, time series data uh, for example stock price series as well as network monitoring data meteorological data these are usually you know very complex data or time series data and usually very very large right so the fact again that we are using b3 well it makes it this means that we can access uh, essentially the bulk of the data much more quickly than the rows of for example an sql database so uh, you know if you consider table objects um, data access can be extremely fast just because there is an index a b3 based index right so these are just a few properties of the HDF. I've been using the HDF, you know, whenever I could. Um, of course, you cannot reconstruct things from CSV to HDF. It's not possible. You can, of course, convert HDF to CSV, losing uh, all the metadata aspects. So you would really not like to do that. Uh, but I highly recommend in um, considering this format for your, you know, best alternative to CSV. A lot of your time will be saved in uh, processing or reconstructing things uh, that you don't have to reconstruct anymore because it's all there. Uh, these metadata are there and they will always stay there and, um, and they will make your file uh, self-describing, which means everything is super self-contained, so your data <laughs> is uh, always consistent. Now, I think that to conclude, we should all start being very serious about these old formats. I'm not, you know, I don't want to be destructive towards the old formats, but I'm just saying that we are in an evolution process, right? And so we have to consider to change formats at some point because they do not no longer fulfill our requirements and they actually force us to spend much more time than we should just for reading files, just for reading, uh, you know, simple data. And uh, uh, the fact that something is easy for uh, human beings to read, uh, well, that should not be the reason we keep using these formats or at least it should not be the only reason for which we use this, uh, this uh, file formats. The time that we spend on augmenting formats with data that we have stripped in the first place makes absolutely no sense. And I think that it should make even less sense to those who pretend to be serious about digital transformation. I hope you enjoyed the show. Of course, don't forget to jump on Discord. You will find the link to our channel at the official website, datascienceathome.com.
Thanks for being here. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Data Science at Home podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.